Father, as we start this workshop and we want to talk about you, we want to talk about prayer and see how can we have a really fervent prayer life, a very close relationship with you in prayer. I pray that you'll anoint my lips. I pray that you'll speak through me. And I pray that you'll guide my thoughts and to know exactly what to present. And I thank you for your inspiration in advance. And I thank you that you will uh, give us a blessed time here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I have a favor to ask from you. Can you do me a favor? While I'm speaking here, you pray for me, okay? So we cannot do anything without prayer. Anyway, where do we have people from? Sweden? Who's from Sweden? Of Swedish. I know we have Denmark represented there. Denmark, Finland. Finland, sorry, Finland. Anybody else Finnish? No, you're the only one. Norwegian? To Norwegian. Latvia we have here, right? Yeah. And we have... Where are you from? I'm from Australia, but we moved to Okay, so you're Danish. Yeah. I'm from Estonia. 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 Okay, nice, nice, nice. And she is Romanian, right? Yeah. So he's my fellow citizen. Well... You know my name, I'm from Romania, I'm Raluca, I'm from Romania, um, and I have the privilege, the great privilege of working with a prayer ministry. Um, it's a branch of the, our ministry, actually. Uh, it is called Army Bible Camp, and we organize Bible camps to teach the people how to dig deeper in the Bible, how to understand and find the gems in the Bible, how to pray. And we organize revival weekends, and we uh, I've been blessed to attend two of our camps. We we organized thirteenth camps in two years, and uh, we mainly in the states. But we had one in Hawaii a year ago. We had one in Hawaii two weeks ago, and we had one in uh, in Indonesia in August. And we had one in uh, Great Britain in March, no, April. And we're going to have one in Germany next year, in October. And we're looking into having one in Romania in May. Uh, that's not set, set up yet, but we are working on that. So we're, uh, I'm working with this, it's an American organization, I'm kind of their Europe representative, and traveling and doing this. Uh, these things which I really love. It's my life. Well, I'll tell you, we'll see how much time we have, but I'll try to mingle my uh, personal testimony and some other testimonies of people I've met with the presentation. Um, now, what is prayer? I know we all know all these quotes, right? If I you look at them, you know them so well. They're from the spirit of prophecy, right? We all know that prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse. We know that prayer is the breath of soul, the secret of spiritual power. What is really prayer? If you think of your prayer life, what do you do at home, in your private time? What is it? It's communion with God. Is it? It's communion with God. That's, that's what it should be communion with God, a relationship with God. There are so many very wonderful quotes about prayer. And Ellen White writes very nice in Steps, of Christ, Steps to Christ. She has a whole chapter on prayer. 
and all over the spirit of prophecy. And she's saying, you know, prayer is the opening of the heart to guide us to a friend. Not that it is necessary, not, not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive Him. So, prayer doesn't mean that we have to inform God, even though we do that, right? We inform God of what we want, we do. She also says, prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to Him. And, and Oswald Chambers, he's one of my favorite Christian authors, he says it even more clear. And I love what he says. He says, prayer is not getting things from God. Do we do that? Do we pray to get things from God? We do, and I do, believe me. I used to do even more before. But he says, that is the most initial stage. Prayer is getting into perfect communion with God. And now, this is the, the sentence that I like the most. I tell him what I know he knows in order that I may get to know it as he does. Why do we tell God things? Not that he needs to be informed of what we need. He already knows what we need, don't, doesn't he? He already knows, but we have to tell him what we need in order to get to understand our needs the way he understands them and see them the way he sees them. And, you know, this, this whole concept just kind of changed my, my, my prayer life. A lot of things changed my prayer life. But understanding that the fact that I don't inform God and I don't have to, to beg God, uh, but I have to tell him... And I have to try to understand things the way he does. Uh, I think that that is kind of totally changing the way we pray. When we understand that. Uh, the Kneeling Christian, this is a very, very wonderful book. It's an unknown author. Um, says, all that true prayer seeks is God himself. For with him we get all we need. So actually, you know, in prayer, we need to seek for God. We need to, we do not... We shouldn't be looking to get things from God, just to seek God. There is another quote that I really, really like. Welcome, come in. Uh, it says, The essence of prayer does not consist in asking God for something, but in opening our hearts to God, in speaking with Him and living with Him in perpetual communion. Prayer is continual abandonment to God. Prayer does not mean asking God for all kinds of things we want. It is rather the desire for God Himself, the only giver of life. This is where we have to get. We have to get to the, the stage where we pray not to get things from God. We pray because we desire God. Prayer is not a painful effort to gain from God help in varying needs of our lives. Prayer is the desire to possess God himself, the source of all life. The true spirit of prayer does not consist in asking for blessings, but in receiving him who is the giver of all blessings and in living a life of fellowship with him. So, what is prayer? What did, it, did all these quotes talk about? Prayer does not mean to, shouldn't be to get things from God. That's and, and Oswald Chambers was saying it very nice. That's the most initial stage when we start praying. Prayer means seeking for God. 
telling God things that he already knows so we can understand things the way he does. Can I ask you? Yes. I haven't been through all these courses of peace. Ignore my ignorance. Yes, but, it's okay. But uh, I read some statement uh, I read in Anne uh, White, I think it was on the Eclectics, and she said that when you pray to receive, you pray to receive, you yeah. pray to, to pass it on. The blessing yeah, you yeah, yeah, from yeah. God is your, not your to keep it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you pray, to receive, you pray to give. I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask in our prayers because the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Yes. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we have to get to the stage where this not should be our, the purpose of praying. Yeah. The Maybe. purpose of praying should be seeking for God, getting to understand things the way He does. And believe me, I have prayer requests for God. I, I ask things from God. Um, you know, it's, it's not that I don't, I do, because the Bible is telling us, but if we do only that, we, if we pray just to, to ask things from God, yes. that's, Selfish. that's selfishness, and, and that's not what, we need to grow in our Christian experience, and prayer is a way of knowing God and getting to be more like God. If we resume our, you know, limit our prayers to just asking from God, that's, I don't know. I mean, do you do you like a friendship where people only the only thing they do is just they ask from you all the time things? No, no you like a friendship where people want to commune with you. Yes. And from time to time, you know, you have a, a request for a friend. You know, you ask, can you do that and that. I think that the same thing applies to God. So thank you for for that. Uh, yeah, it's good to have no misunderstandings there. <laughs> yeah. And. And Ellen White says, you know, uh, where you're saying about, she has a quote, she says, prayer is the opening uh, of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive Him. So Ellen White says, we have to pray in order to, for, for God to enable us to, to receive Him in our lives. Well, you know, so many times we're trying so hard to find methods. Methods to, to reach out to people, right? And the church is trying new and new methods, and that's not something bad. But so many times that's all we do. And I, um, I like Ian Bounds uh, who says, the church is looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plants, but men. Men of prayer. And Hudson Taylor, you know who Hudson Taylor was? Great, great missionary. He says, since the days of Pentecost, has the whole church ever put aside every other work and waited upon him for ten days, that the Spirit's power might be manifested? We give too much attention to method and machinery and resources and too little to the source, to the source of power. We try so hard, and I, I want to make something clear from the beginning. <coughs> I'm talking about prayer. I don't want to downsize the importance of working for God. That's very important. We need to, we need to work for God. And Hudson Taylor also said, you know, I have seen many men work without praying, though I have never seen any good come out of it. But I have never seen a man pray without working. 
So if we pray and we have an authentic prayer life, we will be working for God. But we, we can fall in the danger of working for God without Him. Have you ever seen people working for God without Him? Okay, let me just share you a little bit of my story. Um, I became a missionary a year after I graduated from university. And I spent five years in the mission field, South America, in Africa, I was in Vanuatu, working for God. You know, volunteer, totally volunteer, dependent on God, and working for God. And God grew me a lot in this time, okay? God took me there. He taught me a lot of things. But as I look back at my life, those five years, I realize that I could have done much more if I surrendered more of my heart to God, if I had a more fervent prayer life, if I really knew the power of prayer. I would pray for five, ten minutes a day. Don't, I would read my Bible from time to time, not on a daily basis, you know, too busy to do that. Uh, you know, when you have a, the responsibility of a school, I was one, one year the principal of the school, one year the assistant principal, um, and you are the girls' dean, and you have to coordinate the kitchen and cook with the students. You have to go to farm, work in the garden, and you have to organize all kind of things, you know, uh, mission trips, and um, even though it was a small school, you know, 20, uh, 20 students. But you're a volunteer, so, you know, you get, and it's so, so appealing to work, right? Elder Paul Rasara, he's the president of uh, South Africa Indian Ocean Division, a man of prayer. He's, he said the following thing, you know, you know why so, so few people pray? Because prayer is hard work. We'd better work. It's so much easier for us to go work, get involved in God's work, than stay on our knees. But we have to do both. First, stay on our knees, make sure we are surrendered to God, and make sure we have a living relationship with God, and then go and work for others. We have to blend them together. If we are trying just to work for God without Him, like I, I was trying to do all this time, and believe me, I had experiences with God. God answered prayer, made miracles for us there. You know, He was so good, even though I was not consistent in my walk with Him. But that doesn't mean I have to stay there. It means I have to grow and praise God. I so much praise God that He showed me what I was missing in my life. He showed me that I have to grow. Now, I, I'm a Martha. I like doing stuff. You've seen me running around, you know. I'm just a guest speaker here. But I, I got involved in or, you know, organizing the events because I came earlier a little bit. So I like to, to work and organize, you know. It's, but I realize I need to be a Mary as well. And God is teaching me more and more and more. And being a Mary and just staying at His feet first, you know. Making sure I'm surrendered to Him and then... I go out to work and then if we do this, imagine if the church would do this with how much more power will work. Because the most powerful testimony, I always say the most powerful testimony is the testimony of our lives. If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we will share Christ. People will come to us and ask, you know, what do you have? Because I want to have that. There's something different in you. And I, I can see that, you know, I'm growing. I still have a lot of things to learn. I, I still fail so many times, you know. Uh, but I look at my life, the way I related to people before or the people related to me and the, how they relate now. Since, you know, I understood the power of prayer. And I, I tell you, it's different. People see now much more that they can trust me. They can come to me and talk to me. 
it's the Holy Spirit just when the Holy Spirit transforms your life, people around will see it. And we need that before we work for God. Sometimes, and he did that with me. That's what he did in the mission field. He he's molding us and changing us while we are working for him. And this is the beauty of of working for God. He's using us and at the same time transforming us. And praise God, he's merciful and he's very, very, very patient with us. Now, why united prayer? I mean, come on, we have our own private life of, of prayer. Why do we need to pray unitedly? Well, I have many quotes I can give you, but I'm just going to go uh, fast with them. It's, Ellen Weiss says very clearly in uh, manuscript releases that, you know, we have to pray for success, and we have the assurance that our prayers will be granted. But she says, the promise is made, the promise for success, is made on the conditions that the united prayers of the church are offered. And in answer to these prayers, there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to pro uh, private prayer. Why do we have to pray unitedly? There is more, much more power in united prayer than in private prayer. We need private prayer. I'm not saying we don't. No, if we don't have the private prayer at home, we'll not have any power in the united prayer. We need our own personal private you know, prayer life. But the church also needs to come together and pray in order to have power in the work. And I think we're doing it too little. I mean, just think a little bit of your home churches. What are people doing in the prayer meetings? Have a Bible study. What do you do for the week of prayer, like the annual week of prayer in December? What do what do they do in, in your church during do you have the week of prayer in your yeah, churches? It's they have meetings. So what do they do in the meetings? They listen to the preacher. Why do we call it week of prayer? Why do we call it prayer meeting? Seriously. Praise God for churches who pray. I'm sure there are churches who pray, which pray. I am sure. But if, you, if we look at most of the churches, we made our prayer meetings in. And I'm not saying it's important to listen to messages. And I think we have other occasions. But if it's a, it's a prayer meeting, let's make it a prayer meeting. Yeah, but we prayer is only prayer. That's only, only Praise prayer. God for that. Praise. We, we have also taken a part of family and Sabbaths. Praise God for that. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy. I've been to many churches, and you know, I know some of them pray. Some of them are just they call prayer meetings, and they are preaching and praying for five minutes. And this is not what it is supposed. To, if we need to come together, just think of the disciples. What happened to them in the upper room, the Pentecost? They had to come together. They had to humble themselves. They had to confess their sins to one another. They, had, they prayed together. And you know what was the result, right? Now, I asked myself, okay, we have this example of the disciples. They prayed together. This great thing happened, Pentecost. They went out, spread the gospel, you know. 3,000, 5,000 were baptized in one day. Do we have in the Bible any example where we have the church, the church prays, no, the church doesn't pray, but could have prayed. And things go differently if 
would have gone differently if they prayed. Do we have any example in the Bible? I was preparing a workshop when I was in uh, October in Maryland for a church there, and I thought about it, and I, I remember the sermon I heard some time ago, and I remember the preacher quoting a quote, so I went and looked for it. We do have an example. We do have an example that speaks about a church could have prayed, they didn't pray, and things turned out very differently. It's about Peter and Paul. Remember, Peter was in, in the Acts of the Apostles. Peter was imprisoned. What did the church do? They prayed. Did they pray? Yes. What was the result after the church prayed? Peter was released. He came knocking at the door. You remember the whole story. I'm not going through it. Now, we have Paul. Paul is imprisoned. What does the church do? Nothing. Eli says, sorry, that's... When Peter had been, a made, had been made a prisoner and condemned to death, the brethren had offered earnest prayer to God day and night for his deliverance. But no such interest was manifested in behalf of him. And Ellen White talks about Paul. And she continues, and here this very, very sobering quote. Why they didn't pray? Because he was looked upon as an apostate from Moses, a teacher of a dangerous doctrine. Why? Because he went to preach to the Gentiles, and the church said, no, you need, you know, that's, you're not in, you are not a follower of Moses, you know, you shouldn't do that. So, had the leaders, Illinois continues, had the leaders in the church fully surrendered their feelings of bitterness toward the apostle and accepted him as one specially called to God to bear the gospel to the Gentiles, the Lord have spared him to, to them to still labor for the salvation of soul. He who sees the end from the beginning and who understands the hearts of all saw what would be the result of the envy and jealousy cherished toward Paul. God had not in his providence ordained that Paul's labors, labors should soon end, but he did not work a miracle to counteract the train of circumstances to which their own course gave rise. So what happened? God did not want Paul to die. If the church accepted Paul and prayed for Paul, what does Ellen White say? His life would have been spared. It was not God's plan for Paul to die. Can you imagine the judgment being asked by God, why didn't you pray? If you prayed, I would have spared his life. This is what happened to the church. They didn't pray. God didn't spare Paul's life. They didn't accept him. You know, God didn't spare Paul's life. Can you imagine what power prayer has? So many times there is nothing we can do but pray for some people. And our prayers can make, make a huge difference. Um, we're talking about, you know, the, the unity. You know, when we pray together, when we pray together, God brings unity in our midst. We, will, we are going to accept people as they are. The church did not have unity, did not pray together, did not pray for Paul. Paul was, was killed. They are going to be responsible for his death. I don't, I said, Lord, I don't want to be responsible for somebody's death, you know. 
So whenever God inspires on my heart to pray for someone, I pray for that person knowing that God is going to work. It's, it's a huge responsibility we have. And, you know, I believe that we can do so much if we pray more for people. Sometimes we don't even have to speak. Tell them anything. Just pray for them. Just a few weeks ago, I received an email from a lady. She sent it actually to our website. Her husband attended one of our camps when I was in California this summer at Pacific Union College. And um, her stepson. And I was so impressed with her stepson. He prayed so mature prayers. He was like 12 or something. Very young. But when a lady needed prayer, we, we had an all-night prayer meeting there. So when the lady needed prayer, he jumped and prayed with her. And anyways, he really mature. And he, her husband, you know, seemed very nice person. Anyway, he wrote, he wrote, she wrote us, and she said, you know, after my husband and my stepson came from, uh, from your camp, there was he was changed. My husband was changed, and for a few months, uh, he was another person. But now he went back to his old ways, and he's screaming, shouting, very aggressive. Um, so I, I wrote her because I'm touched by such stories. I, I really have a burden for families who are on the verge of divorce, separated. And, and I wrote back to her, you know, I say, you know, I'm praying for you. And I added her to my, I don't know her, but I added her to my prayer list. Just last night, no, this morning, I was checking my emails. And I, I get an email from her, just two lines, say, you know, please pray. You know, I had to stay locked up in my room for two days because I was afraid he'll, he'll, do something very bad to us. So I just wrote her a few lines. I said, here, I am at Impact Scandinavia. Uh, we have a prayer room. We are going to pray for you. Just hold on there. Sometimes, you know what happens? Sometimes before God does something, things go worse and worse. And then, I, I know many stories, you know, people have been praying for their marriage. Uh, for, for uh, I remember Janet, Janet's uh, page, she's telling a story where she prayed with this lady for a year for her marriage. Things were going just from worse to worse to worse. But then things started to get better. And years later, when the lady was dying of cancer, she called Janet and said, you know what, thank you for saving my, my family life. After, after a year of prayer together, every week, they became so much in love with each other. They were like, you know, like better than when they were first married. Prayer has a really powerful, uh, it's a very, very powerful. <coughs> anyway, so I just want you to pray for this lady. Her, her name is Dana. But she died anyway. Uh, th that lady. I'm talking about this lady who wrote me just this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right yes, we should pray right now. Um, <clears throat> just pray that God will give her the wisdom to know what. She wrote me a long email. I didn't even. I didn't have time to read it. I read it at the workshop. A very long email because I wrote her like two li three lines, and I told her I'm here. You know, my heart goes out for you. You know, just hold on there. Hold on, God. Pray and and ask Him to give you wisdom. So she wrote me that this huge email. And she was like, thank you so much. You know, it's, it's such a blessing to know people are praying. And it's, it's a comfort for those who are in need of prayer. And I'm sure God is going to work. So let's have a prayer for, for her. And remember her also in our own and private prayers. Who would like to offer a prayer for Dana? Okay, thank you.
Father, we come into your presence this very moment and we, we lift up the name of Jesus Christ the name who you have done. Amen. Father, you see what you are going through right now. And you and you know what her heart carries. You know what she she has experienced in her marriage. You know, dear Father, that better than any of us how how she feels right now. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord, we don't know always what to pray, what to say, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak for us when we cannot offer the prayers that we should. And we know, Father, that, that Jesus Christ is standing before your face and, and offering prayers for us as well. Amen. And we thank you, therefore, this very moment that you see, see this dear family that you love so much. Amen. And we pray this very moment that you would touch the husband's heart and that you would come so close day and and that she would feel your presence and that you would comfort her heart. Amen. And we thank you and praise you that, that you hear our prayers. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Just remember her and our your prayers, please. It's, I, I know God can work. I just came to remember that Annamite that I, I'm sure you, you read, Annamite, <coughs> she has a... I don't know where it is exactly, but it's a statement in regard to praying, prayer for people who are um, under the influence of the devil. Mm -hmm. And that can be the case in many Yeah, I, I cannot say, I don't know the situation. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not saying that you say that this is a possessed, mm -hmm. but that's not what I'm saying. Under the influence. No, no. Okay. yeah, it's yeah, influence, yeah. yes. And um, she actually said that you have to fast and pray particularly that God would block the forces of evil's access to their mind. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I believe there is much in it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Now, when we do United Prayer, as you have seen, how many of you have been either in the morning of the United Prayer session or in the prayer room? There are some of you who have not. Okay. When we do United Prayer, we usually divide our prayer in four parts. We have a time of praise and worship, just praising God, nothing else. Then we go into a time of confession. And then after we confess our sins, we go into a time of supplication. And then we end with thanksgiving. Now, we're going to talk about each one of them. But before that, why these four themes? Why do we need to... Why are we following these four themes? And I'd like us to look a little bit at the Lord's Prayer and at the sanctuary to see where did we take these four themes. It's not something new, not something that my ministry came up with. They're all things, you know. Uh, it's, it's not made by us. We just arrange things a little bit. But if we look at the Lord's Prayer, we'll see that all the four themes are found in the Lord's Prayer. So our Father which art in heaven is... Praise. Hallowed be thy name. It's also praise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a supplication for God's will. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a supplication for personal needs. So we have supplication for the spiritual needs, supplication for the 
personal needs. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Here we have the confession part. That's the part that we don't like because that when we get to confession, we have to humble ourselves. And some people don't like that, but I praise God that he teaching, He's teaching us more and more. He's teaching me more and more how to humble myself. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's supplication for spiritual victory. And then it ends with, For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory forever. This is also, it's praise, thanksgiving. So all the four themes, you know, you can divide prayer in many more, you know, parts. Like supplication, you can divide it in many parts. But, you know, it's, it's supplication. We try to keep it simple. All the four themes are found here. Now, let's look at the sanctuary. You know that all the four themes are found in the sanctuary? The Bible tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving. thanksgiving. That's why we start with praise. And we're going to talk in a little while about praise. Why do we need to praise God? Then, when we enter the court of the temple, what do we find? The first piece of furniture we find. What do we find in the sanctuary? Come on, Bible students. The altar of sacrifice, right? Because we have two altars, right? We have one of these instances, too. So the altar of sacrifice. Tell me, think about prayer. What, what does it represent, the altar of sacrifice, in, in the, our prayers? What does it stand for? What were people doing? Confession, very well. They were coming, bringing the sacrifice and confessing their sins upon the, you know, the head of the, the animal. So you have to enter the courts with praises and you're going to a time of confession. Then the next piece of furniture, what is that? After the altar of sacrifice. Washing. The lever. Right? Where the priests were washing very good. The priests were washing their feet before and, you know, hence before they entered the sanctuary. Why would, what would it represent? Confession as well, right? Making things right with God. Cleaning, you know, the cleansing uh, that we need to go through. Then we enter, we enter the, the temple, the sanctuary, and right in front, we have a piece of furniture. Let's actually, let's start with what we have in our left side. That's, <coughs> what was on the left? Lamp. The lamp, the candlestick, okay? What does the candlestick stick, uh, stand for? A light. Very good. Christ. Christ is a light, you know. Thy word is a light unto my feet. But you know that that candlestick was burning all the time. What does it also represent? What does it also stand for? It's a forever. Okay, that's true. And it ran with... So, do you mean in the context of prayer? No, no. Uh... No, what does it represent? Not in the context of prayer, and then we'll go to the prayer part. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit right? You know, it's the candlestick is is a uh, uh, right. Am I right, Pastor? Yes. I'm not wrong, right? Uh, and what would it mean in our? What it stand for in our prayers? It's supplication for for the Holy Spirit, right? 
we need do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, I tell you, I don't think I realize how much I need the Holy Spirit. I don't think I I realize how much, but I know I need God to help me realize more and more how much I need the Holy Spirit. And then on the right side we have the <coughs> table of showbread. What does it stand for in the Bible, this table of showbread? The word of God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You know, supplication. We need Jesus in our lives. We need Jesus to take full control of our lives. And then in the middle we have the altar of incense. What would it stand for? Prayers. Continual prayers. I like to say it's standing for the intercessor, intercessory prayers. Praying all the time for others. I think this should be our focus anyways in our prayers. And uh, as we enter the most holy place, we have the Ark of the Covenant. What else? We have the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place. What is? What else was it there? I'm not... <coughs> that, that, that was all. But the, the most holy place was always full of presence of God. When we go, what happens when the angels are in the presence of God? They praise. That's all they do. The angels praise the Lord. That's why we end our prayers with thanksgiving and praising God. He deserves our praise and thanksgiving. Well, I guess you can make many more applications, but those are a few. Now, let's talk a little bit about the four themes of the prayer. Let me ask you, before we talk about praise, what do you think is the commandment the most repeated in the Bible? I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments, okay? But the, the, the advice that the Bible is giving us the most, you know, the, most, the, the one that's most repeated in the Bible. Give glory to the God. Give glory to God, yes. What else? Have any ideas? Pray. Pray, thank you. That's not the one. But thank you. It's it's honor him. Honor him. Some people say in, in the other workshop we had on Friday, love God. And that's true. That's I think on the second place or so. But I was curious to look and count. And actually, you know, the girls were around here you now. Praise God. And other, other uh, expressions that mean the same thing. But if you look in the Bible, the commandment that you find most of the times, or, you know, it's to praise God. And I think we praise God so little. I praise God. I used to praise Him even. I, I didn't used to praise Him at all, let me put it this way. I, I just used to come and ask God for things. I believe a prayer, praise is so, so important. And then... You know, Second Chronicles sixteen twenty nine says, "Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness." There's so many verses. You know, I told you. So many times, the Bible tells us to praise God. Another one says in uh, Testimonies, Volume Five, "The soul may ascend near heaven on the wings of praise." God is worshipped with song and music in the courts above, 
And as we express our gratitude, we are approximating the, to the worship of the heavenly hosts. We do not pray any too much, but we are too sparing of giving thanks. Is she right? Yeah. We are too sparing of giving thanks. If the loving kindness of God called forth more thanksgiving and praise, we would have far more power in prayer. We would abound more and more in the love of God, and we would have more bestowed to praise Him for. Now, I'm going to dissect this, this uh, quote and uh, see... I have, I think, seven reasons why we, should, we need to praise God. I'm sure there are more, but I'm going to stop to only a few of them. <coughs> one of the reasons, the one that I love the most, is that when we praise God, we are transformed. And Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 says us, tells us, But we all with unveiled face, beholding us in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What happens when we behold God? We become changed. And then says, it is by beholding that we become changed. So, we need to be really careful what we behold. We need to be so careful. We behold music, uh, uh, worldly music, listen to it, have it all the time in our minds, we're going to become like that. We're going to behold and watch movies, we're going to become like those people. Just think a little bit, in, this is just for your um, contemplation. What are the things that you think most about? Because that's contemplating, that's, that's what you're going to become. Uh, the more we become, behold God, and we do this through praise, this is a one of the ways to behold God, right? It's not the only one. You know, beholding God can take many forms. But praising God in our prayers and thinking of who He is is a way of beholding God. Am I right? We need to do that more if we want to become more like God. You know, what I saw in my life is that, you know, I, I have a lot of things I'm dealing with and, you know, things that I want to get rid, rid of from my life. I'm like, Lord, take them away, please. You know, I don't like this. For so many years, I've struggled with so many things. And I tried hard, believe me, as hard as I could. And they were all, always there. But you know what happened when I started? I understood the, the power of praise. And I started to take time in my morning worship to praise God. Just think of who God is. And just thank Him for, and praise Him for that. I just, I just saw, you know what? I'm not dealing with that anymore. And I didn't do anything, you know, it's just out of my life. I don't feel the, the desire to do it. I don't have the appetite for that anymore. God just took them away. Yes? I can confirm that. Uh, so when I've been praising God, uh, God is chasing me more rapidly than uh, ever. Yes, that's true. If you want power in your life to change, you need to praise God. I believe that's the reason why so many people are struggling with, you know, they want to be changed, but they have no power, and they're praying. I was praying before, believe me, God, please take these things away. Every day, God, please take it away. God, please take it away. That doesn't, it's, 
It, it's good to do that. We need to do that, but it's not all we have to do. If we just do that, it's not going to help us. We need to start beholding God, start praising God for who He is, and then we're going to be transformed. Try it, and I'm sure you'll. I, I'm sure some of you already tried it. You know, but yeah, I'm just thinking. I mean, you say like praising God, and as you say, um, things can take many forms. But to me, I see this as it's where you have your focus. Yes, that's true. Because you focus on God, and mm -hmm. if you remember, like, yeah, when you do something, I mean, the whole universe is beholding us. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. either we can bring glory to God yeah. for what we are doing, or we can dishonor Him and give the enemy possibilities of accusing yeah, our yeah, loving God. That's true. More. I mean, actually, why do we need to praise God? Doesn't God know who He is? Come on. Do I need to tell God, God, thank you so much, you're so merciful and loving. Thank you so much that, uh, you know, you, you, all the things work for the best of, of those who love you, you know. Thank you so much for dying for me. Why do I need to praise God? We need to know. We need to know more of who God is. What happens? Okay, we have, are you, you're married, right? Yes. We have at least one married person. What happens when you affirm you're married to God? What happens when you affirm your love for your husband or wife? When you just, you know, you, you affirm it in your words. What happens? It grows. Your love for that person grows. You know? That's what married, I'm not married, but that's what married couples say. But, I mean, when you praise God, you doesn't not do that, let's say, as a method. You do that because He's done work. Yeah, but... I'm saying that we don't praise God because God needs our praise. No, but He's worthy all praise. Yeah, but because we need, we need to praise Him. The more we praise Him, and we'll see another quote. Eleanor says, the more we praise, praise Him, the more praises we'll receive from Him to, to give back to Him. Yes. And Eleanor uh, is saying here that uh, we express our gratitude to God and praise Him for what He has done for us. We are praising what he has done. Yes, I mean, yes. I mean, he has done so many things. Uh, so we should be thankful all the time. Yeah. And when we are not thankful, uh, we start to become become negative and maybe angry more easily and so on. Yes. So God yes. wants to change our attitude uh, through praising. Yes. And when you was mentioning about uh, uh, music, like a celebrated uh, top music, uh, did you know that the 90 seconds of that and your frontal lobe activity goes yeah. down. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how we can praise when we are listening to that kind of music that uh, is, is actually yeah. affecting yeah. the capability of us? Yes. yes, it's kind of also confirmation that uh, you confirm to God that you believe that He is like Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You show Him from the universe. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. Thank you for your input. It's, it's really good. I have more... Uh, more quotes, but I'm not going to read them about, you know, by beholding God, we are changed. And Ellen White repeats it over and over again. We find it several times in Spirit of Prophecy. Also, you know, what are some other reasons why we need to praise God? She says that praises increases faith, hope, and courage. If, if more praising of God were engaged in now, hope and courage and faith would steadily increase. Are you discouraged? Start praising God. It's going to help you. It's going to give you hope and strength, and I tell you from my life, I have a tendency to negative thoughts, just because it's in my genes, it's inherited from my, you know, it's inherited, it's, 
But I discovered the power of praise. And when I, yesterday I was discouraged. Wow. And I, I went to the prayer room. And I spent there a good two hours or something. I had hope and, and you know what happened after I went out of that prayer room? The things what I was discouraged about, they were solved. Right like that, and I didn't have to do anything. But I just went there, and I didn't pray that God will solve those problems. No, I just wanted to surrender them to God. I said, you know what, God, you take them, it's your work, you'd better take care of your work. You know, I'm just a tool. And when I surrender everything to Him, and I, I, I had peace, you know, that He's in control of my life. When I had that peace, He solved my problems without me asking Him for that. So if we praise God more, we'd have more courage, more faith, more hope. This is also one, one thing that I really like. It's prayer increases our power. Praise increases our power in prayer. And she says, we do not pray any too much, but we are too sparing of giving thanks. And we, I read, we read this quote. If the loving kindness of God called forth more thanksgiving and praise, we would have far more power in prayer. Why don't we have power in prayer? One of the reasons. That we do not praise God enough. If we praised God enough, we would have far more power in prayer. Deep, right? It's really deep. So whenever remember that praise is so, so crucial. Also, she says that praise increases our love for God. If the loving kindness of God called forth more thanksgiving and praise, we would abound more and more in the love of God. You want to love God more? Start praising Him. It's that simple. Yes? Uh, yesterday I was talking with a young, young man here, and uh, I, uh, he was saying to me that he is struggling with uh, certain things in his life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they are coming all the time in his mind. And... Uh, and uh, then uh, I was saying to him that you need to praise yesterday. Mm -hmm. And this morning we were sitting together. I mean, I mean, in the no, 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 no. We were in. A, I don't remember where did you say that, but in the morning you were saying. In the morning that we need to pray in the morning. Yeah. So I, I was saying the book about it. This is different. You need to praise more. Yes, that's very true. When we praise God more, we'll start loving God more. Do you feel you need to pray to love God more? I need more love for God. I don't have enough love for God. I love more myself than I love God. But praise can increase our love for God. That's powerful and it's so simple. It's nothing complicated. I mean, is it? And you'll see, the more you praise God, the more it becomes a habit. It takes some time to become a habit. But then it becomes a habit. And believe me, if before I used to go to sleep and girls, you know better what I'm uh, talking about, you know, daydreaming. Just having all those fantasies in your mind, just thinking about things that you like to have, and you know, just now I go to sleep praying and praising God, and I wake up praying and praising God, and believe me, is I do, I wake up and I I don't have those that that bitter feeling, you know, it's like only a dream. No, it's I praise I I I, I wake up with God in my mind, and I'm happy I have Him. And he's giving me such a joy in my life. You know, I am uh, not married. So, you know, I am in my early 30s. I just turned 31. 
So, you know, sometimes you you say, you know, God, just wrestle with God. Oh, it would be so nice to have a boyfriend, you know, or, you know, to be married. And, you know, but when you stop thinking about these things and concentrate on God, go to sleep thinking about God, praying to God, wake up with God in your mind. Life is so much sweeter. I've never, ever enjoyed my life as I do now for the past one year and a half. Such a joy and peace in my, my heart. I wouldn't trade them for anything else. Not even for him to get married. I know God can, God, God can bring that into my life while I have him, you know. And it's up to him if he wants to do it or not. But I'm so happy the way I am right now working for God that he's teaching me more and more of what it means for him to be enough for me. And I, I praise him. I still have a lot of growing to do. But I praise him that he's teaching me how to... Have him continually in my mind. You know, I travel, when I go to my office, uh, I travel usually like an hour by bus, an hour, 10 minutes. And before, you know, I'll just think about things and sometimes negative thoughts, you know, you know how it is. Uh, or, you know, all kind of things. In, but then, if you use that time to pray, and I started using that time to pray, to lift up people in prayer, sometimes to listen to sermons. To meditate on what I read that morning. That's so much more joy in my heart. It just, I really enjoy that bus ride. And in the end, as I was telling you, I don't have that, that emptiness that you feel, you know. It's, but I, I feel full of, of, you know, God's presence. He's with me. So the more we praise God, the more... We're going to have God in our lives, to love God more, to become more like God. And I think I have a couple more, like three more. Otherwise, says that prayer increases our power in witnessing. You want to have more power in witnessing. Tell people your testimony. Praise Him for what He has done in your life. That's what's going to make a difference in people's lives. Not theory. Theory doesn't help, even though theory has its role, you know. But... You know, people, I think there was a quote, I don't remember who said it, but people may reject your appeals, but they cannot do anything. They cannot say it's not true when you tell them your, te your testimony. Because it's, it's, it's your testimony. They cannot say, you know, you, you're not telling the truth, you know. But when you tell them, you know, about Sabbath, they can say, no, it's, it's not true. But when you tell them about your experience with God, they can say it's your experience with God. So, just tell people, when you praise God and tell them what your testimony, that's going to influence. Because they see, they see faith and prayer active. And that's what the world needs. To see what prayer does in somebody's life. Also, praise results in greater blessings being bestowed. She says, if the loving kindness of God called forth more thanksgiving and praise we would have more bestowed to praise Him for. It sounds weird. I mean, it should be that. The more we praise God, then we finish the reasons to praise Him, right? Is, is it working that way? No, it's not working. It's, it's very weird. The more we praise Him, the more things we have to praise Him for. Isn't that amazing? It's now never going to finish. I mean, just think angels. They're praising God in heaven. And they've been praising Him for how long? And they don't finish their reasons to praise God for. 
Well, I love that, you know. The more I praise him, the more he, he, he gives me praises. And also, praise brings us near to heaven. You, have, you want to be in the heavenly atmosphere? Praise God. Ellen White says, The soul may ascend near heaven on the wings of praise. God is worshipped through song and music in the courts above. And as we express our gratitude, we are approximating to the worship of the heavenly hosts. When we praise God, we're going into His courts. Well, I can go on and on about praise. But we need to move on. Confession. It's... Why do we need to confess... Yeah, that's very true. And I think uh, it's, she says in object lessons in this chapter in regard to Jesus' prayer, mm -hmm. she says something like, uh, I mean, God, you forgive us, but it's our sin comes between us because we know it. It's not that God wants to turn us away. Mm -hmm. And also the devil will accuse us in front of God. Yeah, yeah. So it's not God like pushing us away. It's we who are getting away from God. That's true. Thing is that you know we have private confession. Why do we need to have public confession? Do you remember what Nehemiah did? He got the people together. They confessed their sins. When we confess our sins, and the Bible says, "Confess your sins to one another," right? In James, confess your sins to one another. And then why says that? She's quoting James and that she says, All are fallible and all make mistakes and fall into sin. But if the wrongdoer is willing to see his error as they are made plain by the convicted spirit of God, and in humility of heart will confess them to God and to the brethren, then he may be restored. Then the wounds that sin has made will be healed. If these course are pursued, then would be in the church much more childlike simplicity and brotherly love, heart beating in unison with heart. So why do we need to confess, you know, have corporate confession? She says if we do that, we'll have much more childlike simplicity and we'll have brotherly love and heart beating in unison with heart. You know, one of the most powerful parts of the prayer is also confession. Because sometimes, it did it happen to you? I listen to people confessing certain things, and I'm like, you know what? I have that sin in my life. I was never aware of it. It happened to me. I was never aware of it, but I, I practice it. Uh, and also, you know, there's we need to humble ourselves. Sometimes the public confession is just humbling. Uh, one of my one of our colleagues, and he's one of our speakers too. I love what he says. You know, he says, you'd better humble yourself. Never ask God to humble yourself because if, you'd better humble yourself because if God humbles you, it'll be very hurtful. You have to humble yourself before God. He will do it. If you don't humble before God, He will do it. But it's very, very hurtful. So it's better for you to humble before God, to be humble before God. So let me just tell you a short, short story of what happened in one division in Africa. They they organized for an evangelistic series, and uh, they had one of my teammates 
go there to organize a prayer room. But she also told them, you know what, um, let's have United Prayer with everybody, all the organizing team. And I think there were like 30 pastors. They all got, you know, together these efforts to, for this evangelistic series, all the, the pastors from the conference. And um, she said, you know, let's have some prayer together before the evangelistic series starts, you know, in the evening. We're like, oh, no, we can't. Uh, okay, we'll give you 15 minutes. She said, that's not enough. But they said, oh, sorry. So, but that's all we have, 15 minutes. Well, they ended up praying 45 minutes. <laughs> but you know what happened in that meeting? When they got to the confession part, they started opening their hearts before God and realized there are things that are not right between them and between God and them. And they were crying before the Lord, and, and they confessed their sins. And in the end, the, the president of the, I don't remember if that's union or division, but he got up and he said, you know, I've never ever seen something like this. Pastors coming together and confessing. And he, he couldn't finish what he was speaking. He was choking. Uh, but you know what happened after that prayer, that time of prayer? They had in attendance 700 people. You know what happened after that, after they started praying together? The number grew so much. They had asked all the Adventists to stay, stand outside in the overflow and watch on the screens. They didn't have enough room in the church or wherever they were holding the evangelistic series. Why? Because the leaders chose to put aside everything that was in between them and God and allow God to work through them. And sometimes we need to come together and make things right between us and between us and, you know, among us and us and God. And when, we do, when we do this, power, powerful things are happening. Well, supplication, and we all like that. But there are a few things, very practical things, that I'd like to share with you from my own experience and things that I've, I've been learning from here and there. And God has been teaching me through people and His Word. You know, we're encouraged to, to, to ask from God things, right? And we have Bible verses and quotes, and I, you have them on the screen. By the way, um, you don't really need to write. I'm, I can send you the PowerPoint. You give me your email address. I'm sending you. I don't have any copyright. I don't mind sharing it. Uh, I just want as many people as possible to get it, so they start doing it. Um, so you have all these, you know, quotes, and I'm not going to, to read them, and you all know the quotes, you know the Bible verses, you know, ask and you shall receive, and, and prayer moves the arm of the omnipotence, and one thing, but a few things that, that will really make a difference, in, what made a difference in my prayer life, is that I learned, and I, we were talking in the morning United Prayer, I, I just mentioned briefly, that we need to ask God to inspire our prayers. So many times we are praying our prayers. And if we pray our prayers, those prayers are not going to be answered. And I loved when I found out this verse in Romans 8:26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. So what does the Bible tell us? We do not know how to pray. What does the Holy Spirit do does? <coughs> Makes intercession for us. The Holy Spirit should inspire our prayers because we do not know 
what to pray for. Ellen White says that we must not only pray in Christ's name, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What, what does that mean? We all know we have to pray in Christ's name, right? That means that we have to ask Holy Spirit, Lord, please inspire my prayers. So we must not only pray in Christ's name, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This explains what is meant when it is said that the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Such prayer God delights to answer. When we pray prayers inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's weird, right? I mean, we ask God, we have the Holy Spirit to inspire our prayers, to give them back to God. Why do we do that? And we go back to what we talked in the beginning. We do that because we need to understand things the way God does. We want to have God's vision. We want to see people and situations the way God does. Let me tell you a short story. I have a very good friend. She's a missionary. She's been a missionary. Actually, she went to South America for me. And she got married to South America. But their marriage is not going well at all. And uh, we've been talking, and I've been praying for her for a long time. Lord, please do something. Please give them love for one another. Please, you know, they're missionaries. They have to set an example for people. And as I was praying for them one day, also thinking about this, you know, the Lord kind of, you know, told me, Nora Luca, have you ever thought about asking me what you should pray for your friend? No, Lord, you know, I've been praying. Uh, is there anything wrong to pray for two people to love more each other? No, there's nothing wrong. But still, we need to ask for God's prayers. Because sometimes things that are good may not be things that God wants. So I said, okay, Lord, I understand. I have to, okay, what do you want me to pray for my friend? And the Lord told me, you know what? You need to pray for them to draw closer to me first. And then they will draw closer to each other. But first they have to fix their relationship with me. So I start praying for that. You know what was the result? Two days later I get a phone call and she's in the middle of the jungle. She hardly goes to town. Um, and when she's in town, you know, we don't talk very often. But two days later, after starting praying this, I get a phone call from her. Or we Skype, I don't remember, but we got to talk. And I got to share with her because I was also studying about certain things and I, I really thought she needed those things. And I got to share those things that were not new things. They were very old things. But, you know, sometimes old things in a new setting can have a new meaning. And at the end she was like, you know what? Thank you so, so much. This is exactly what I needed. Why? Because I said, you know what, Lord? Teach me what to pray for her. And when we pray God's prayers, he opens the way, ways that we... I never thought, you know, I was just praying. And I didn't know how to... I don't know how to help them. I didn't know how to, what to do for them. But prayer can do a lot when there's nothing we can do. And we need first to pray. And I'm not, I know they're still growing. I don't know how things are progressing. But I know that because I'm praying and I know God is going to do something in their life. Another very powerful things, thing that I discovered, and I know, I know some of these things, you already know them, but uh, I'm excited about them. I didn't discover them long ago, so, but it really made a difference in my life. 
is that I started claiming promises for the people I pray. I find promises for certain situations, and I, I say, you know what, Lord, you promised this. And do I need to remind people what he, to remind God what he promised? Do I really need to do that? Doesn't he know what he wrote in his word? He already knows. But I need to be reminded that he promised this. And I tell you, it's a very nice way of learning your Bible. I, God made me lose my Bible a year and a half ago. My Romanian Bible. All the dates underlined, you know, verses that were special to me. Everything. And he made me forget it in, in a park. And that was an answer to prayer. Um, so, how can that be an answer to prayer? Well, I asked, you know what, Lord, do something to, to, to use me. And I, 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 because the summer, sometimes I like to go in the park and study my word in, in, on a bench there. And I went on uh, Sabbath and I did that. And I went on Sunday. And on Sunday, I forgot my Bible. So I, I went back home, and the next morning when I wanted to get, take my Bible and read it, I couldn't find it. I was like, where is my Bible? And I, I searched all over, I realized I forgot it in the park, and I thought, oh, let me run to the park before I go to the office. And the Lord was like, you know, Raluca, what did you ask me just a few days ago to use you? Well, why are you looking for it? But that was my plan. So, you know, there are impressions that God is giving. And I knew that, and I still went, I, I went to the office, and I went to the park after I came back from the office. No Bible, sure enough. But I know God made me forget it just because he wanted to, to use it. I'm sure that that Bible is somewhere. Um, somebody needs it. Because uh, somebody needs it more. The day before, I made sure I have it with me because that was very precious. I don't like to change my Bibles. I don't know how I forgot it on Sunday. I was very careful in my Bible. I just don't know how I forget. I, I forgot it. Seriously. I have no clue how I forgot it. I made... Especially is extra sure the day before that I have it with me. Anyways, so now I have my English Bible. Since I have most of my speaking engagements are in Europe and I have to speak in English, I said, let me just start reading my Bible only in English and the Spirit of Prophecy only in English. I'm doing everything in English. It's so hard, believe me, to get my, to find my way through the English Bible. And um, sometimes, you know, and it's claiming promises, looking for promises for different situations. It's a very good way for me to learn my Bible and where, where promises are. And when you come to God and you're reminded of the promise he made, your faith is strengthened. So I really love, I really like to, to, to claim promises. And Ellen I speaks about that. You know, you have this quote that says, Every promise in the Word of God is for us. In your prayers, present the pledge word of Jehovah and by faith claim his promises. So she's telling us, claim the promises. Now, we have this Bible verse that says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So tell me, according to this verse, when do we have to know God's will? When do we have to go to know God's will? Before we pray. Right? We need to pray according to His will. In order to pray according to His will, it means that we need to go know God's will beforehand. Am I right? Is my logic correct? Yeah. Can we know God's will before we pray? 
we can. We really can. This changed my. This also changed my prayer life. Like, how can you know God's will before you pray? That's why you pray for it. You pray to know God's will. And that's true. Sometimes you know you need to know God's will for a certain situation, and we need to pray for that. But how can we know God's will before we pray? How can we know God's will before we pray? Well, we don't have time to waste. So, <laughs> I'm not going to insist on this because Derek Morris already made it plain and clear and I, I was so thrilled to hear him talking about a lot of things I, I was going to mention here. We need to saturate our mind with the Word of God. Analyze says that the study of scriptures is the means di divinely ordained to bring men into closer connection with the Creator and to give them a clear knowledge of His will. How do we know God's will? The study of the scriptures. And we have many Bible verses that tells us, you know, this book of law should, you know, not depart from you. You need to, to know it. So, you know, you want to know God's will? You want to pray prayers that will be answered because only what we, we pray according to God's will will be answered. And saturate your mind with a word. Know God's will this way and then. Because so many times, you know, just look at the pattern with the answers we get. It's no, 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 and yes, or two, and then again, no, 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 no. Look in the Bible, or the prayers in the Bible. What's the pattern there? It's yes, 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 from time to time, or no, but most of them are yes. Why? Those people knew God's will. They were praying according to God's will. Also, in, uh, in uh, Christ Objects Lessons, Elamai says that if we keep the Lord ever before us, allowing our hearts to go out in thanksgiving and praise to Him, we shall have a continual freshness in our religious life. Our prayers will take form of a conversation with God as we talk with a friend. He will speak His mysteries to us personally. How does it happen? How do we know God's will? How do we know His mysteries? By... Keeping the, uh, the Lord always before our eyes. How do we do that? Meditating on the Word. Saturating our mind with the Word. Meditating on the Word. Praising Him. Allowing our hearts to go out in thanksgiving and praise to Him. Praising God. Then He will speak His mysteries to us personally. And then we... I'm not going to talk anymore about thanksgiving. I just want to go... A little bit through a few quotes that have a very, very good message, and we're going to finish. Charles Finney, you know who Charles Finney was? Great evangelist. Great, one of the greatest evangelists. He says, Nothing tends to cement the hearts of the Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another as well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts. In prayer. You know, a study was made, and you know what's the rate of divorce among Christians? It's the same uh, as among non Christians. You know what's the rate of divorce among families who pray together at least for five minutes a day? Yes. So the divorce rate among Christians is over 50% right now. You know what's the percentage of 
the divorce rate for families who pray at least five minutes a day. The study shows that the divorce rate is 0.05%. When you pray together as a family, God brings unity in the family. I, I think somebody was telling me that Daniel and Sylvia Pellos were saying when they have problems in their family, because oh, we all do have problems, right? They pray together. And I look at them and I see them very happy, happily married. And I know it's not fake. They are very authentic. And I know many families who pray together. And I can tell you they are happy families. When, if the church pray together, do you think we'll have some more strife, some more strife and envy and jealousy and fighting? No, we would not have it if the church really prayed together. It's when you pray together, Holy Spirit brings unity. Let me tell you that story. The same South, in, uh, Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division, where Alapora Asari is the president, they invited our uh, a team, army team, to have a prayer room for their division annual meeting. So. He invited one of my friends and um, said, you know, you have this meeting and then you can have, you know, 10 minutes every morning for prayer. And my friend said, you know what, 10 minutes is not enough. I want 45 minutes. I mean, just imagine a child. She's not a child. She's older than me. But um, asking a division president out of his time, out of his schedule. And, you know, have you ever been to the division meetings? You, you might have attended some Oh, conference meetings. Believe me, they're long. I, I was there, you know, as a prayer coordinator for the Eurofica division. You know, a lot of talking, a lot of discussions, many, many items on agenda. Sometimes you don't get to finish them, you know. So she said, no, I want 45 minutes. That means in five, I think they're usually meeting, yeah, I was five days in, in Cologne. In five days, multiply 45 minutes, a few hours taken from their agenda. But because Paul, Elder Paul Osari is a man of prayers, he said, okay, I'll, I'll work on that. I'll give you 45 minutes. You know what was the result of them praying together every morning for 45? It's part, it was part of their program. They finished the meetings with half a day earlier. Why? Why? Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit brings unity. He, he inspires our thoughts. And and helps us to reach the conclusions together very fast. Yes. There was it happened with um, um, Luther, Martin Martin mm -hmm. Luther, before his um, like doing those thesis. He was really busy, and always he said that if I have busy schedule, I'm waking up earlier. And he was praying for hours, and mm -hmm. that gave him. Yeah, I, I personally know Elder Paul Rossara, and I, I can tell he's a man of prayer. God does miracles in his division. You know, that is the fastest growing division in the world. They grow so fast. I think we, we have tried, and we are just a small church. I shouldn't even just... Yeah, 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 yeah. But we it's important. This, we made this decision that uh, unity, it's not because we are going to get to each other and we want to make room for everything. It's, it's more, we are needing unity with God. Yeah. And this is the important thing. And we have this right. I mean, all our board meetings are in Greek. I mean, we are 100. 
uh-huh. in the same direction uh-huh. and that helps a board very much yeah, yeah. so if you keep your focus on god and you yeah, stay together yeah. you know his will yeah i mean and he uh, if he shows his will to you he will show it to everyone else uh-huh. and Ellen White said that if he can show his will to me he can sell, show it to you and you go yeah, and see it yeah, yourself yeah in October, I was at the general conference annual meeting. I was part of the prayer team there. And uh, we had a special 21 days of praying for the meetings. There were a group of five, six of us, but we had also some locals joined us. Well, I tell you, I've never seen, experienced something like that. For me, it was a life-changing experience. For those who, you know, you know very well that this this fall uh, there was a very sensitive issue discussed at the general conference concerned the unions that voted about the women's ordination. So everybody, believe me, when they started to talk about this, I was right there at the back and um, one of the vice presidents was leading. He was like, I've never seen this fall so cool ever at the general conference. So, you know, people usually, they, not all of them attend, you know, there are some things, but this time everybody was inside. Before that, some committees met, you know, the presidents of the divisions met to, to discuss and get to a conclusion and come with a proposal before the, the, the rest of the delegates. Anyways, you know what the pe- these people did? We prayed for them. We went there like two, two, some, two, two and a half weeks earlier to pray for this. You know what they did? They took their first day and they prayed and studied the word together. They didn't do anything else. They just prayed and studied the word. And you know that in the end, you know, they had ups and downs, you know, but in the end, they all agreed on the same solution. Everybody was on the same page. We prayed there that the Holy Spirit will, will bring prayer into the room. You know that. Elder Wilson was telling us, and in, in, you know, Elder um, Jerry Page, we, we were working with him, and Janet Page, they've never seen so much prayer at the general conference before. And I know that it's not only us who are praying there, there are many people all over the world praying. What I'm saying is that it's important to pray. And who am I? A child. You know, I mean, I can't compare myself to all those leaders. I'm just nobody, right? It doesn't matter who you are. And they even asked me to lead prayer in one morning, you know, during the session. I am a child. I am somebody who's still learning. I don't know so much theology. But I know that I want to know my God. And God can use anybody, anybody. You know, among our team, it was a 14-year-old girl. Believe me, I was wondering myself. I was wondering again, again, Lord, why don't, didn't I have what she has when I was 14? A 14-year-old girl, to see her dedicated and praying, and would wake up a quarter to three every morning, would go in the, mission, in the general conference building and pray for the offices, pray until 7 o'clock in the morning, and then we'll come back in the evening to pray for them, um, you know, attendees and for the delegates. And, and, and she would do it every morning with us. We didn't get that much sleep during those two weeks, I tell you. But God upheld our health. I got sick. Sinus infection. And you know that. You don't get well very fast. God miraculously healed me like two days. 
I was like, God, you've got to do it. I'm here to serve you. I can't concentrate on what I'm doing just because I'm so sick. He healed me in two days. God just provided. I, I went there. I don't have money. I don't know how I travel. <laughs> People are like, how in the world do you travel? Because I barely survived with my salary. I went there not, not even having money. You know, I didn't know how I would eat. How, you know, I just, I just somebody offered to pay for my pay, uh, plane ticket. God provided. God provided. We don't have to be somebody. We just need to be willing to be used by God. And that's what I'm appealing to you. Allow God to use you. What you can do when you go back home? Take at least one more person and start praying with. It's so important to pray at least with one more person. And I'm sure God will grow your group, you know, more and more. It's, it's, for me, it's, it's crucial. I have two prayer, prayer groups more, but I have one constant, for instance, prayer group. where two from Germany, one from Romania, two from Indonesia, one from the Philippines. We pray every Friday on, on Skype. You know, in the beginning, I would go to those meetings, and sometimes I would not want to go. We've been praying together for more than a year. You know, you don't feel like praying, you know. I just want to do my own thing right now, you know. It's... But as we started to pray together, now I, I have such a joy every time I have to pray with them. The more you pray, the more joy you find in praying. I think I have a few more codes, but let me just... Um... Emphasized just a couple more things and then we'll finish. <coughs> I love what John Calvin says. He says, To make intercession for men is the most powerful and practical way in which we can express our love for them. And I believe this is so, so true. The kneeling Christian, that's another very nice quote. Satan laughs at our toiling mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Why? Because what we talked earlier, we can work a lot, but work without God. I like, I told you, I like Oswald Chambers, and then Ellen White just says the same thing. Oswald Chambers says, we think a prayer is a preparation for work, right? We pray to prepare the work. But he says, or a calm after having done work, whereas prayer is the essential work. It is the supreme activity of everything that is noblest in our personality. And Ellen White says that only the work accomplished with much prayer and sanctified by the merit of Christ will in the end prove to be efficient for good and will stand the test of judgment. We need to pray more and we need to work as well. But we need to make sure that before we work, we pray and surrender everything to God. It's Andrew Murray says, Time spent in prayer will yield more than that giving to work. Prayer alone gives work its worth and success. That's, I so agree with him. Prayer opens the way for God himself to do his work in us and through us. Let our chief work as God's messengers be intercession, and in it we secure the presence and power of God to go with us. We all know that we want revival, right? The whole church is talking about revival and reformation, and I'm sure you've heard about that. But revival is not going to come if we do not pray. Ellen White says that. Uh, a revival needs to be expected only as an answer to prayer. Just a, one more story, and I'm closing. 
1902, there was the General Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It was the time that General Conference session, it was, um, the church was organized, right? So, Ellen White has a vision after the, the conference. She has a vision where she sees people coming together, confessing their sins, and receiving the Holy Spirit. But then, she wakes up and says, you know, I realized that was only a dream, only a vision. Nothing happened because people were not, were not willing to, be, to humble themselves, confess their sins, and come together and seek for, for the Holy Spirit. She says the Lord could have come at that time, you know. We could have finished the work, but they were not willing to do that. And you know, you can read about the, the, this. And uh, Ron Cousin, in his book, uh, Adventism's Greatest Need, by the way, I highly recommend it if you can get it to read it. I love this book. Adventism's Greatest Need, the Holy Spirit. Later on, something happens in Welsh. Have you heard about the revival in Welsh? Well, let me tell you, it was the greatest revival that ever existed on earth. And you know what, when it was? It was in 1904, 1905. Something makes me, you know, makes me to think that what God could have brought to the Adventist church, he took it from us because we, we refused to humble, the leaders refused to humble themselves and bring a revival. And he gave it to some, some other people. How, the, how did the revival in Welsh start? You know how it started? With a group of people coming and praying together for eight months. Earnestly praying every morning. I think from two o'clock to six or something, or four to six or something like that. What was the result? I'm going to read you the code to see the result of the revival in Welsh. The Spirit of God took hold of the Wales by storm. In five months, half a million people became Christians. Can you imagine in five months, half a million people? Taverns went bankrupt for lack of patronage. Unwed pregnancies practically disappeared. Judges were given white gloves. Not a case to try. No robberies, no bulgaries, no rapes, no murders, no embezzlements. Crime had simply stopped. District councils had emergency meetings to decide what to do with so many police and nothing to do. Some got creative. Instead of paddling football games or the pubs at night, they became singing in the churches. So many coal miners, look at this, so many coal miners turned their lives over to Jesus and stopped using foul language. You know what foul language is, right? Swearing, you know, all these bad words. That the horses used in the mines slowed down production, not knowing what was now being said to them. They were used to, to you know, to be talk not in a very nice manner. No, they were not, they didn't know what was said to them. They slowed down the production. The revival spread to all English-speaking countries, including Africa colonies, and to the northern and central Europe, India, Japan, China, Korea, Indonesia, and Latin America. Its impact may have exceeded any known previous awakening in history. In Wales, one of every ten citizens was converted. One in ten. In Japan, the number of Christians doubled in 1910. In India, the Christian's population grew by 70% between 905 and 906. Latin America experienced 180% growth from 1903 to 1910. Why? Because a few people 
got together and prayed for revival. There were nobody. But they were willing to be led by God. I was telling you about Charles Finney. You know what would happen when Charles Finney would go to a place to hold an evangelistic series? People will be convicted right away of their sins. They'll be baptized. You know why? You know what's the secret of Charles Finney's uh, success? Because he had a lot of success. Tell me. Let me tell you. It's... There was somebody. His name was Father... Father... I forgot his name. There was a person who would always go before him in that place where he was going to hold an evangelistic series. With a few weeks, rent a room and stay on his knees and pray to God. It is said that when this man died, I'm so sorry I forgot his name. When this man died, Charles Finney didn't have as much power as before. What would happen if we, as members of church, would get together and uphold the hands of the leaders? Pray for them instead of criticizing them. And I'm one of those who see what is not good and have the tendency to criticize. You know, I, I like things the right way. What would happen instead of criticizing the leaders, the pastors, because all the pastors are human, they're doing mistakes, we would pray for them. They would have much more power and we will be changed. So when you go back home, get at least one more person to pray with and start praying. If you have not been part of a United Prayer, I highly recommend you either come 7 o'clock in the morning or go to the prayer room to see how we do United Prayer because this is the practical part. You know, I can tell you right now, but you need to see the practical. It's not complicated, right? It's, it's very, very simple. This is only the theory, the workshop for the practical, and you need the practical for a complete workshop. Come to United Prayer. I tell you, God, I've never ever thought I'll travel Europe and speak. I'm not a speaker, let me tell you. I don't know how I do it. <laughs> it's just God giving power. And I'm not, you know, somebody. But he just opened doors. I don't do anything, you know. He just opened doors. And wherever I go to all, and I could tell you so many stories from the conference that I've been to. I think almost all the GYCs in, in, in Europe, um, GYC France, Portugal, Germany, um, AYC I went, um, GYC Europe, and ASI Spain, and a lot, of, a lot of meetings. And it's not because of me. And where everywhere I go, and we have a people praying together. You know, I did in Mission Germany this year. They were saying something is different this year. Things are running smoothly. Just things are very different. And they got to the conclusion it must be because of prayer. So they said, next year you come back. <laughs> Make sure we have you back. Um, and it's not because anybody can go and do that job. And, you know, it's, it's not. But where there is prayer, I know people who have done evangelistic series in very, like, one of our speakers done a, has done an evangelistic series in Hawaii. And, you know, people are hard to reach there. He had 20-something baptisms. Because why? He had a prayer team. And it's what I'm telling you, it's recent things, you know, in the last one year and a half, everything that I told you, one and a half, two years. He had a prayer team covering 40 days before. 
praying and working also, they are Bible workers. When we pray and work and do both, we are much more effective. So, I encourage you to go back home. Maybe the church will not be excited about what you learn about prayer. Maybe the pastor will be skeptical. Because you know all the all the and Daniel Pell did a great job. I was praising God because I didn't have time to talk about that. About you know the mysticism and the the spiritual formation and United Prayer is not about that. Um, you know, people may be skeptical. If you get one more person to pray with and you sincerely seek the face of God, he'll open hearts. He'll add more people to your prayer group and he'll give you power. So just start praying. That's, that's the most important. If you just go home and after you've been to the workshop and don't do nothing, it doesn't help you at all. Start praying. One more person. It's so good to be two and to encourage each other. Well, I think that's, we got to the end. I can tell you many more things, but uh, you, I better let you go and eat. And I have to eat. I didn't eat breakfast. So. Um, do you have this booklet? Yeah. If you don't have, I brought a few. Um, you can take how many you want. Um, it's United Prayer, How to Lead It. It's very practical steps. Gives you some songs that you need to, you can use. I am trying to get it translated into Scandinavian languages, and uh, I'm working on that, trying to find translators. Um, we already have it in like five languages on the Revival and Reformation website. So I'm I'm working with the general conference, you know, coordinating these translations, uh, volunteering to do this. <laughs> So we already have it in English. This is in English, German, Spanish, French, Portuguese, and Romanian. And uh, it's been translated also, but we have not finished uh, the proofreading in Czech and Indonesian and uh, some Korean, some more other languages. And we want to have it in as many languages as possible. So if you know anybody we can translate, let me know. But you can have it in English. You can use it. It's a very uh, good tool. Also, for your, for your, if you want to start a group, praying group, prayer group, Army Bible Camp has put together a set of Bible studies that will help you, guide you for Bible study and then prayer. Uh, you can find it on our website, the PDF format. You can download it for free. You just have to register. We have what we call A units. A units are these small groups. People who get together, especially to, to study and pray together. You can register a group of A units. The group of A units can be one or two people, not one people, two people or more. And you get it for free, the Bible study. It's very, very nice. I think I have it on my screen. Let me see. Um, where is it? Uh, where is it? Army. Oh, here it is. It's, I have it in PDF format, but you need to go and register there. I cannot give it to you. <laughs> you need to go and register the units. Can you so, get the email, like web page address? Yeah. Mm? Web page? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, here is, this is how it looks like. It's a Bible study program. It's made by um, Pastor Ivor Myers and... Uh, 
a few of other colleagues of mine, Emily Mason and Anne Curl, and uh, so it's Bible studies. It's really really nice. You can use it as a tool. You can also order it if you want to buy it, you know, or you can print it yourself. It's it's totally fine. But this is a great tool as well for United Prayer. And that's for Bible study. That's all. Let's have a closing prayer. And please come to United Prayer if you have not, if you have not been part of uh, United Prayer. And we'll love to have you every morning, you know. I appreciate our leaders who come every morning. And let's, let's just have a prayer. Lord, I thank you for the time that we could spend together and uh, talk about you, about prayer. And Lord, we thank you so much that there is so much power in prayer. Thank you so much that prayer can change our lives and can change the lives of, of those around us. We thank you so much that we can talk to you knowing that you listen to us and that we can pray in your name, we can pray according to your will, and we have the things that we have asked from you. Lord, just please increase our faith and help us to, to know how to pray, help us to have a very deep and meaningful prayer life. And uh, just draw us closer to you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.